the North group is the better group. Yeah, about that. I might have some explaining to do. Welcome to the pod. Hello everybody, a very warm welcome to the Vitality T20 Blast podcast and uh, well I have some explaining to do, not just because of my uh, start of the tournament and the uh, first episode saying that I thought the North group was a stronger group, more on that to come, um, but also uh, I am slightly depressed about what happened still on Thursday down at Edgebaston and uh, if you haven't already seen the results then you won't know that all four northern sides in the quarterfinals got knocked out which means that myself and my co-host Cam McFarlane, the Lancashire fan, both had home quarterfinals and Cam were both out. Hello to you first of all, this is this is just depressing. Do we have to do this podcast? Can we not just... I really don't we, want to. Can we just I really don't one? want to. Yeah, it's not, it's not going to be... It's not going to be the one full of full of laughter and joy like most of this most of this has been so far to this point. Um, yeah, we're both out. But to brighten things up a little bit, we've got someone else who's also out on the podcast with us today. <laughs> yes. Welcome, Jack yes. Garwood, first appearance on the pod. Hello, how are you? I'm, I'm very this well. Is... How are you, mate? I'm all right. T- to be fair, look, I'll get into this a little bit. My team weren't expected to go and win our quarterfinal. Oh, here we go. Yours two's very much were, and it could be worse. We're in a group chat with another lad that we get on really well with, who's a Yorkshire fan. They didn't even make it that far, so let's just revel in that misery instead. <laughs> yeah, I, I tried to nibble back with that yesterday, <laughs> to be fair, uh, when, he, when he was giving, giving me some as we were getting beat last night. Um, yeah, at least, we, at least we all made it to the quarterfinals, unlike him. And at least all us three are making it to finals day, unlike him as well, who's backed out of that one as well. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the Bradford Premier League comes second, uh, comes first to T20 finals day, clearly. Um, yes. I mean, I'd probably Jack rather Gar- go there now after last night, to be fair. Uh, do you know what? <laughs> I, yeah, if, Brad, if you've got a ticket, then that'd be great, mate. Or we'll happily go to that one. Um, yeah, Gob, hello. Jack Gobby Garwood from Online Darts. Uh, with a bit of cross-promotion here. Darts and cricket, because of course that works. Um, this, is a, this, is an old, this is like old times, you and I, doing a podcast together. Yeah, we've already restarted three times. It's brilliant. I've missed yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers for throwing me under the bus. Appreciate that. Oh, you called me in. I'll just tell it how it is, mate. Tell it how it is. That's what I've well, always done. Well, it's good to have you. And don't worry, we'll allow you to do some uh, cross-promotion of online darts a little bit later on. Because appreciate, it is a very big week in the world of darts. Not just a very big week in the world of cricket. But we will come on to that a little bit later. Um, is there anything else you want to say? Or do we just want to leave now? Is this, the, is this the end of the pod, please? No, look, there's stuff to talk about here. I thought, actually, three of the games were pretty entertaining. Yeah, yeah. and one was absolutely the... bobbins. <laughs> yeah, well, look, and again, that that's just top-order failure. Like, if you look at it, and you ask me to predict the scorelines of these four quarterfinals ten times over, the only one I'm convinced we see again in the manner that is Somerset beating us. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't think we'd see, spoiler alert, Worcestershire being as bad as they were on, no. on Friday night. And I think night, if Worcestershire turn up and play anywhere near like they've played in the North group so far this season, them and Hampshire is a very, very good game. 
Yeah, we couldn't. Especially we when couldn't you consider the players that have been in and out of Worcestershire, it seems to be actually that if you look at it, the north sides, all four of them, I'm not just making excuses, at some point have lost one of the players that is key to their success this season. Well, Sam Hayes, a lot of their players. We lost anyway, Colin Monroe and Afridi. Yeah, but they lost one of the <laughs> one of the two um, New Zealanders, didn't they? One of the two Kiwis. They still had Santa, they lost. Yeah, Michael Bracewell, three. they lost yeah. earlier on in the season. If Hampshire lose James Vince. They don't even make the quarterfinals, but that man is just unbreakable. <laughs> let's go through it then, because we have to. And... Well, let's start on Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it makes what, sense. What was start. that line you used to say? Start at the beginning, a wonderful place to start. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, we should stress, by the way, a very big congratulations, I'm sure, to a lot of Essex, Hampshire, Surrey and Somerset fans who are probably listening to the show as well, going, excuse me. We have won the games. And yes, we do appreciate that. And we're going to talk about it now. But Christ, it is depressing, especially for yours truly, who was down there on Thursday night at Edgebaston. It was great fun being in the crowd. Again, I felt like Timmy Mallet or Jamie Feakston, depending on how old you are, just running about trying to get, uh, running about trying to get loads of stuff uh, in the crowd. It was really good fun. Re- rather enjoyed that. Taking the quick thing uh, Yes, I was taking the quick single a lot with Vitality, and we will be doing that on finals day. Uh, big shout out to Vitality as always. The sponsorship would be massively helpful. Uh, right, uh, <laughs> moving on and quickly talking about this game then. We'll start off with Birmingham against Essex, even though I really wish we didn't have to. Um, I've got to be honest, Cam. I went into this game full of nerves because we'd won seven on the bounce, Birmingham. I won seven on the bounce. We'd managed to come through games, again, I mean, God, we, we talked about it last week, um, I know you were listening, uh, talking about the 7 for 4, uh, when uh, Shia Afridi managed to get Birmingham 7 for 4 for Knotts, and then obviously we beat Knotts eventually by two wickets, the Durham game as well, we managed to win that close games, and so I did think, okay, even though, Cam, I thought we were under par... I kind of half expected us to get a little bit better. I mean, one six seven for seven on that deck, even though it was the third time it was played on it, I still thought was a little bit under par. We just kept losing regular wickets, didn't we, really? Yeah, like I say, it was your boy again was the only one that really went and got a proper score. Sammy Hayne back in there and getting himself another 50 at a pretty rapid pace once again. Um, but yeah, you kept losing wickets regularly. Um Let's talk about one of them. Alex Davis, given out on review, despite there not being a spike. I mean, it did look like it hit the glove, to be fair. But with no spike, it's a strange one to overturn it. They I, pa- I, I disagree. They, they said on the broadcast that the technology wasn't working. And for yeah. once, it's, it was, there was clearly contact. You can see the ball rising after it goes past his glove. As it comes up, I thought it was one of the best pieces of umpiring we've seen in a long, long time. To be fair, but to so be fair, that's why. Not, that to be fair, just sorry to interrupt, Cam. Just sorry to interrupt. That is why Nigel Long, himself, who was on the third umpire, that is why he was on the ICC elite panel of umpires for so long because it was quite clear. I mean, I knew it was out. Quite frankly, I could hear the, the ball, I hear the nick <laughs> straight from where I was standing, and I was the opposite end, and I heard the, the nick, but. And yet everyone was booing at Edgebaston. But if the technology doesn't work, then what do you expect? Like, you have to go with what you can see and it clearly touches the glove. Yeah, I just thought it was it was tough to overturn the on-field decision when you haven't got the technology there in full working. And I think 
a lot of the times we would have seen that just stay as not out and, and move on, really. We would have, I think, but because the contact on the glove was so clear, you can see it then and you can see the glove move and you can see the ball change direction, That that's everything you need. If that was more of a, a marginal little clip, yeah. then I think it's like... If it's, it's on the outside edge of the bat, turn, but then it, it, yeah. maybe not. It, it, yeah, outside edge of the bat, feathering, is there daylight between it? Can't really get the freeze frame exactly. But because it was over so many frames at once as well, that there was... Um, a sustained period of contact on the glove. I genuinely think it was a great bit of umpiring. Yeah, I'd have given him out anyway, just because it was Alex Davis. But that's, that's <laughs> a point for another day. Um, I actually thought he though, knows this, what he did. Yeah, I actually thought this innings though for you, as much as you did keep losing wickets and it probably was a little bit under par. I really thought you were in this halfway. You weren't so sure. You didn't think you quite got enough. But I thought. The way you bowled this year, especially at home, I thought you had more than enough in. Well, I mean, big shout out to Dominic Drake. He came in and hit 23 off 13 towards the bottom end of the innings as well. As you say, Sam Hain going 32 off 36, 32 off 23 for Glenn Maxwell. No one really going big. I mean, if Sam Hain had stayed there, I reckon it might have got to about the 175, 180, which I thought was going to be in the fun zone. But good bowling from Sam Cook, two for 24 from his four overs. Daniel Sams, we'll come on to him. He had a great night in front of the Hollies. Got some tap, but he had a great night in front of the Hollies. Had a couple of good catches uh, down to, in front of the Hollies. Uh, also, Simon Harmer, just doing what he does. One for 20 off his four. He's just ridiculously good. Um, so we get then to the Essex innings gob, and they just go off like a train. 43 for none after 3.5. And then Alex Davies gets the run out. But what a knock from Dan Lawrence. We all thought, I thought he was going to be going to three at England. I wish he was going to be batting at three for England because it would have meant that we might have got to finals day and we <laughs> might have had Wokesy as well. Um, it might have meant England it, were in with a shot of winning a test match as well, to be honest. Well, we don't know. I mean, when this comes out, obviously, the result might have happened at, at Headingley. Um, but as I say, Gob, a brilliant knock from Dan Lawrence. Uh, but... I, again, he just shows you that the difference in quality are those people who are at the top level of county cricket that might just not make it into test cricket. But Dan Lawrence, again, another excellent innings from him. Yeah, and look, he's got that experience now as well. That, that knock was experience in the danger time. And if you look back over the last couple of seasons, it's those sort of knocks from players that have got this blast experience now that have been getting sides over the line. You think back to two seasons ago when the Southern sides all made it through again. If you look, if you match up squads on paper, the same as you do this year, and this, this might be slightly biased by the fact we all support Northern sides, but if you put all eight sides on paper and rank them in order, there aren't many of those Southern sides you're going, right, they're, they're top dogs. Somerset have been exceptional. Sorry, yes. On, on paper, this Essex side shouldn't go and do damage like that, but it's just that experience. And we saw it again throughout the weekend as well, where actually when you do hit a bit of trouble or wickets do start falling around you, key players stepped up at key times and anchored innings. And Dan Lawrence did exactly that on the Thursday night and showed everybody else the blueprint for the rest of the quarterfinals. Make sure you're there, take the game as deep as possible, and then you've got a chance. And that was exactly what Dan Lawrence did. Yeah, he did nearly throw it away, though, at the end when he got out when they were cruising and all of a sudden the game was back on for a second with a couple of quick wickets and new players trying to start out trying to get going at the end when it was there was a bit in the pitch and it wasn't wasn't the easiest to start on straight away for for the lower order coming in what was interesting okay here's what here's one thing before we talk about Shane Snater by the way what a day it was for the Dutch 
on that day, on Thursday. Um, yes. What do we think of the run-out for Simon Harmer? Is this spirit of the game? Is this not? I, From what I saw live, and I didn't look at the replay. I should have probably looked at the replay. I was too busy pacing up and down in the box, to be brutally honest. But what I saw live... Drakes didn't seem to completely move into Simon Harmer's path. It was just a collision. But from what I've seen, people were saying that Drakes looked at him before he did it. Should Alex Davis have rescinded the appeal? What are our thoughts on that? I thought, watching it, that this was a little bit different to the one we had the other day, where the ball had backed into, sort of backed into his way, but it was completely accidental. With this one... I think Drakes is in a position where he can get out the way if he wants to. He, he can see Harmer coming towards him. Harmer's running exactly where you would kind of expect him to run. He's running towards that edge of the pitch where you always would do off, off the strip to go that way. I thought Drakes could have got out of his way if he wanted to. And for that reason, I, I do think that this should have been an appeal that was, that was rescinded. But I did not for a second expect Alex Davis to do that because... Partly it's Alex Davies and partly it was that moment in the game. God, what do we think? Are we agreeing with Cam here? I think so. I mean, I'm looking at it and that he's so far down the pitch. He's as miles well as down the bowler. there, that's the thing. He is miles, that he's over halfway down the pitch and he's still slap bang in the middle of it. If anything, that's a warning for being in the danger zone as a bowler as well. Like... If you are at there, weekend, contact in the danger zone at the other end. Both, but that's the point. Like, if the bowler is that far down the pitch, still in the middle of it, like, and he's looking towards the player and the ball, which are yeah, both in the same I, direction. For, for me, this one again should have been rescinded. It didn't ultimately change the outcome of the game too much. I think if if we'd be talking about it a lot more if the Bears had gone on to win this game. Yeah, but they but didn't, and that's because so what a shot. I mean, he picked the slower ball beautifully. I mean, there was a part of me that thought that Alex Davies running down the pitch with two balls to go to speak to OHD might have put him off a little bit, might have made him overthink it a little bit. But we saw what happened with the Dutch. They beat uh, Scotland to qualify for the World Cup on the same day. And then Shane Snater goes and hits one out of the ground, goes and hits one basically to six his cricket. He should have been there really rather than... uh, rather than an edge baston, but the Essex Eagles, again, just like in 2019 when they won it, they, they qualified through the back door essentially in 2019 and they managed to get through at that stage and now they're back at finals day. Lucky us. Yay. I know, yeah. mate. <laughs> yeah. I have a little bit of a confession to make at this point as well. I've been to three finals day, including this year, one of which was as a mascot. My team wasn't there. Lancashire were there. They went on to win it that year. The other two that I've been just as a spectator have been all Southern Affairs. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Um, <laughs> that, that first one where you were a mascot was the, probably the closest me and you ever got when we didn't know each other. Uh, yeah. With you watching you running around the pitch. James Faulkner was unbelievable that year. He was. It was the year that David Willey tried to single-handedly carry North Ants and his absolute gun. Yeah, signed for Yorkshire about six weeks later. He tried to yeah, carry Yorkshire again this year, and it hasn't gone well. No, <laughs> um, but congratulations! Yeah, it did not go well for him this time round. But congratulations to the Essex Eagles—a huge, huge win down at Edgebaston. They'll be back there a week on Saturday. So that was Thursday. We then had the other three quarterfinals on a Friday because why not? Um, 
and we'll start off at Emirates Old Trafford. We'll go through the night purely as well because of that way we can then get to the Hampshire-Worcestershire game at the end and we can just praise Hampshire. But, Cam, do I need to get the bleak machine ready? Uh, no, you don't. Time. I'm having some technical difficulties. I'm going to have to step off now. Ah, <laughs> oh, really? Really? It's weird how that works, isn't it? Yeah, it But is. for the first the, the time since September uncanny. 2020, September 2020, the last time that you lost at home in the blast. So what a time to do it, going up against Surrey. It was always going to be a huge game. It was a game that everybody was really looking forward to. Um, I guess at this point, Surrey probably, they just maybe did a little bit, there was a little bit too much for for you to do, I think, more than anything like that with the chase. I mean, I, I, I thought that, personally, I always thought you were in it because I've seen you go and hit 200 quite easily down at EOT. But Laurie Evans, again, he obviously loves playing at Old Trafford. You can't wait to get him back in August. He does. He absolutely loves playing at Old Trafford. I did say very early on in his innings that him having played there for a couple of years in a row in the 100 was, was going to be helpful to them. And... The other thing that was helpful was the fact that despite him just religiously scooping it, he scored, I think his first 30 runs were pretty much all straight over Jossie's head. We didn't put anyone down there on the boundary. We didn't think that was a good idea to Laurie Evans. Um, but I suppose that's what happens when you've got a captain that only cares about himself and not anything else. So We will come on to that in a minute because I do know where Liam Livingston was and you know where Liam Livingston was the day yeah, before so do I, and I'm... the quarterfinal. <laughs> By contrast, yes, have you seen where Sam Curran is today? Go on. He is. He's in he's the Royal Box. Down at, down at Wimbledon But he's today. gone the day after. Which, you don't go the day before. Yeah. He's, he's done his job right, and yeah, then he's gone and celebrated. Let's just get inside. into this now then. Right. Yeah, let's get into this now then. Go on. Do we need... Get the bleep machine out. Yeah. What the f*** is Liam Livingston doing at the Pro-Am at Live Golf the day before the biggest game of the season? It just shows that he clearly doesn't give a shit about Lancashire. Why he's captain, I've no idea, just because he's the big name that he is. We've already discussed this, the fact that he's got a lot wrong all season as it is. He's not a captain, he's an individual, and as an individual, he's one of the best cricketers in white ball cricket in the world. But he's not a captain, and... A captain does not go down doing that, down at Centurion, playing, bashing golf balls with a cricket bat on the tee with Cam Smith. And I mean, he didn't time them particularly well either. I think Cam Smith actually timed them both better with the cricket bat than Liam Livingston did from the video that I saw. <laughs> um, but then, then he comes back up and you give him a, a bigger ball to hit and he can't get anywhere near that either when he comes out to bat. It's just, it, he's setting yourself up for a fail and... Yeah, OK, you go and do that, you come back up and you hit 60, 70, not out and get your team over the line. Absolutely fine and it, no one mentions it. But if it doesn't go your way, especially as the captain, you're going to look like an idiot. And that's exactly what Liam Livingston looks like right now. Do we think, here's one for you, do we think that giving him the captaincy at that point when Jennings was out, do we think that they should have waited and given the white ball captain of the T20 World Cup winning side, the captaincy. Well, I don't, I don't understand why not. I mean, Josh captains for the originals, he's captain for England, and... He's the he captain of the side that won the T20 Livingston World did. Cup six months ago, yeah. or nine months ago. He, he missed one other game than what Liam Livingston did in, in the blast. Yeah. Like, somebody else, like, 
somebody else could have been captain for that first game. Even give it with you for that first game, and uh, but say our actual white ball captain is going to be Josh Butler. Yeah, I mean Hale's captain for us right, at one point this season because Mullaney was out. Yeah, exactly. On a one-off basis, fine, fair enough. He's the ne- probably the next man up, but also I'd probably rather give it to Phil Soul. Um, Do we question give it to what effect but... it's had on Livingston as well? Because by his very high standards this season, he hasn't hit a single 50 in the blast, high score of 47, and his bowling average has gone at 38, and he's only taken seven wickets. Yeah, well, it's difficult to hit a 50 when half the time you don't come in until there's eight balls left because he's been messing around with the order all year as well. It's just like it's just seemed. But like you've been so solid at home as well, which doesn't make sense. Like you've been so solid at home, whilst one of your big name players, captain and all rounder, has has struggled on both ends of the game. Yeah, yeah, he's got absolutely sent with the ball every time. He, every time he's bowled and bowled himself a lot more than he should have done probably at times in games as well. Yeah, I, I don't think that's anything to do with the captaincy though, because watching him on the field, I'm not sure he's actually doing anything as captain anyway not making any adjustments, he's not changing anything around, he doesn't seem to know really what he's doing in that regard, but I've said my piece on him now, what I am going to say is it was a very, very good performance from Surrey this, and it was a good score on what didn't look the easiest pitch to score on, because you could see that from the way that, from the way that Evans played, and when when most of your runs are coming backward of square, it's obviously not an easy pitch to get it away on, someone who can strike a ball very well as well down the ground. Jason Roy took his time to get going, but then once he did, he, he played really well as well. And he just sort of just did enough and late runs from Chris Jordan was always he always does he has he ever finished a game without a six? Like, even if he only faced a couple of balls, Jordan always seems to, to get at least one over the boundary. I think the biggest and thing I, I felt it was a really good score and I thought it was always going to be a tough chase. I think the biggest thing for me was how much you seem set with Josh Butler and Stephen Croft both at the wicket. Like you know, you were 97 for one after 10.3. And you do think, OK, yes, I'm cha- yes, we're chasing 188. But at 97 for one, you do think we've got a very good platform. And then all of a sudden, it yeah. just seemed to go. I think the crucial thing was, and this is what we've been talking about all season, Sam Curran and Chris Jordan, the pair of them in the 17th and 18th over, or maybe the 16th and 17th over, didn't give away a single boundary for 12 balls that when you're chasing yeah. there and you're still needing 50 odd off of 24 that's a massive thing to try and get away yeah the get the game was done at that point wasn't it i'm not sure it was though because it's still possible but when you do have such quality death bowling options in Curran and jordan who are so meticulous with their fields have a plan and can bowl to it which is more specific it creates that scoreboard sean pressure Abbott. as well sean abbott's been fantastic as well but when you've got these guys that can bowl to a plan that can create pressure where you're not scoring boundaries that also brings wickets then someone's got to come in and start again wickets change matches what was really intriguing about this game was just how good the two bowling attacks were compared to say mm. the thursday night when essex sort of did it by cartel, they had eight different bowlers used. You couldn't really settle against a bowler. I think that that may have helped them a little bit. Just the sheer number of bowlers they use. Right, you're, I'm picking this spinner really lovely. You don't see him again, but uh, potentially they chuck someone else. And these guys are just top level pros that know how to deliver in the tightest moments. And ultimately, when bowling, that Surrey trio of Abbott, Curran, and Jordan delivered better. Well, I think where it changed was was Sonny and Ryan's last over because we got after him to be fair early on, and his last over went for for very little, and then it just looked like 
that was the first over where we really got a little bit behind where we needed to be. And then from there, obviously, like I say, the trio then just just sort of took it away from us completely and bowled really, really well at that point. Um, and I just think the, where we got it wrong with the bat as well was, I know if he didn't have a good knock, but he shouldn't have come in when he did. With the way that we were going when Joss got out, Crofty was flying along at that point. You needed someone who was going to push, run the twos, keep the scoreboard ticking over, and instead we got Liam Livingston not running like a couple of ones and then just standing there when he'd missed it the rest of the time. Whereas if we could have had Daryl Mitchell just keeping it ticking over at that point, and then you've still got your gun player to come in who can send it late on if he needs to. Whereas we just then, beyond Livy getting out for, for seven off 13, so obviously put us further behind at that point, there was then no one to come in that's really your big striker that you fancy is going to get you out of trouble when you need a lot at the end. Indeed so. Uh, congratulations to Surrey. They make it into finals day. And, uh, of course, uh, I, the only saving grace that I have is that, obviously, I picked Surrey at the start and they're still there to win it. So, potentially, they might. It's the first time since 2003, the only time they have actually won the T20 competition. I think the Ashes being when it is has helped them massively as well. Mm. Because for I the last few years, Surrey have gone into this tournament. They should be at finals day. They should be going deep. They've got all these T20 stars. They've got the England lineup. They've got Jason Roy. They've got the Currens. They've now got yep. Chris Jordan. They've, they've just had quality for the last five, ten years down there. Even even back as far as Kevin Peterson playing for Surrey, that side has always been up there. You had um, Jake Durham back bowling for him and all sorts. Like they were England quality players, but they were just constantly yeah. gone. For matches during the blast, and then you you, you divide it but down. No I mean, Gus Atkinson you. played at number ten. He didn't bowl and he didn't bat. They've got a number. They've got <laughs> oh, a number ten that ridiculous. hasn't bowled <laughs> yeah. in a quarterfinal yeah. of a blast game. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But <laughs> yes, they are there. The second place side in the south, third place side in south, are through. As are the fourth. And the first place side, the side that have let's be brutally honest about it, have set the bar all season long down at Taunton. It's very rare down at Cider Bad that Somerset are beat. Obviously, Surrey did beat them earlier on in the season. Nottinghamshire did come close to the Outlaws, but in the end, Somerset winning with three balls remaining by five wickets. Uh, God, I apologise that we have to talk about this, but that is the nature of the, of the show. Um, again, it looked like... I mean, a big thing for me was the fact that you had the players back that we were worried that might not be fit. Obviously, Sant Patel was back in. Colin Munro was there. Stephen Mullaney was back in. Um, but I think that the top order needed to go. It didn't. 17 for 3 is not a good start down at Taunton. Uh, Sant Patel and Matt Montgomery doing well to get yourselves back up to a position. But uh, Imad Wasim coming in and hitting some runs late gave you a score at least. Yeah, look, I agree in the most part. I think those players coming back was definitely or should have been a boost. Um, the more and more you look at it, they went really quiet on Munro's injury since he had that hamstring scan. Next thing you know, Wazim was in as well. So actually, I don't think it was as bad as we first thought. We just thought we've got enough batting. We're going to be there come the end of it. Let's get Wazim a couple of games while we still had Shaheen Afridi. Ultimately, I think what has done us in here is the fact that within three games in the blast, we've gone from our front two pace bowlers being Shaheen Afridi and Ollie Stone, down to Jake Ball and Luke Fletcher playing his first game of the season. 
And all right, you can go down there. There's absolutely no shame in the result, by the way. Somerset have been a fantastic outfit. And when we do go to finals day next week, they're going to be the team I'm rooting for because I just think they're solid. They're all the way down the middle. They're entertaining at the top of the order. Um, they've got a good core of, of English players in there as well that could do that we've seen in, in England shirts before. Um, and I think they're really entertaining to watch. Poor start from us, granted. It's, it's one of the only times this season where that top three have played together and all three have failed. That's yeah, it's not really surprise. the time you want it to happen, is it? No, um, no but like, we haven't had you... Monroe for the last couple. I think Hales was captain against Leicestershire, and I think he shouldered the burden of that, knowing that we're without Monroe. We were, the middle order was a little bit shaky at that point anyway. Um, and I think he's just gone down with a mentality, I've just got to go big from the very start, instead of just giving him a couple of balls to get in, because I haven't seen anywhere near as much blast cricket as you guys have this season, but it feels like Taunton is 200 Every time you're taking a look at it, whether yeah. that's just because of the quality of the players, the size of the ground, or the way that they've gone this season, it feels like Taunton is 200. So Hale's just thinking, I've got to go big from the start. Doesn't quite come off. Clark gets bogged down a bit. Monroe swings a couple. Five. Montgomery, I think, has been a fantastic find for us this season. He's been truly superb. Um, mm. The middle order dug us out a little bit, which it was okay. We got to a score, like you said, was Ian coming in at the end? I absolutely adore Samit Patel. But his time batting that high for us, I think, may be coming to an end because he's just not as dynamic as he once was. He's struggling to get it up and over the top rope as frequently as he may have done a couple of seasons ago. And there just isn't the rotation. We've seen this a number of times throughout the Blast campaign so far this season. Um, We set a total. Pleasantly surprised to see us get after them early doors. To get that three gone early was massive. But like this is... Yeah, sorry to interrupt, mate. This is exactly what I was talking about, Cam. We said that at one stage, Somerset, the top three, one at, all, at some point, the top three will not fire. And it happened in this quarterfinal. Yeah. Will Smith going at 22 is not exactly what you want in a quarterfinal. And at 62 for five, they were reeling. But this is why I guess Lewis Gregory is their captain. Because that was an outstanding knock. 57 off of 34 with five sixes to see his side home and uh, get the best side so far in the competition deservedly into finals though brilliant not yeah yeah I think we were all watching it on... <clears throat> sorry excuse me uh, we were all watching it on on Friday night and I'll be honest I think we all thought not to done it didn't we when they got on five down I know you, you you're saying no though I can see you in the background there God but you must have had a serious level of hope at that point that you. There were, was there was certainly really hope. I'm saying this in our group chat, but I still felt even when Gregory and Green came in, we were ten to fifteen light if they were still there, and, and ultimately that's yeah, what it yes. was. Yeah, Gregory played a, a superb um, knock, but it took it straight out of the Dan Lawrence book from Thursday. It was. I'm going to take this as deep and as long as possible. Even if you listen to them afterwards, they're like, look, we know their spinners are very, very good. We know they came down here with with Samit, with Matt Carter, with Imad Wazim and Calvin Harrison, who, who changed the game at one point. His bowling was, was excellent. A couple of wickets banging that middle path. But he fancied himself against seam up. And when your seam up options at that point are resorting to Jake Ball bowling the 19th and Luke Fletcher bowling the 20th, they always had a sniff. They always had a sniff. Yeah, yeah they did. And I'm, I'm hesitant to say that you threw this away here because I actually don't think you did. I thought it was just an excellent partnership yeah. between Lewis Gregory and Ben Green. Mm. That it was just good batting. It wasn't. It wasn't bad bowling. You didn't. 
there was nothing you did particularly poorly in the field. It was just very good batting and a very good partnership to get a very good side over the line. They, they just execute. But that 19th over will be the one that people look at. Jake Ball going for 19 runs. First ball uh, taken over the top for, for four. Um, cut away. And you're just like, actually, has Ball bowled it badly? Possibly not. It's quite wide. It doesn't want to go over the leg side, which is the slightly shorter boundary at the time. But Gregory saw it coming. And he executed better in that moment. He planned for it and he goes, actually, no, I'm going to make sure of this. To be fair, Green was probably the perfect partner for him at that point because Gregory was the one that marshaled the innings. He's controlled it. Yes, he's got the more runs, actually, because he's picked off the odd bad ball. But Green was the man at the other end being the aggressor. He was going harder. He was going faster. And Lewis Gregory was allowed to just play his knock as well. Indeed, he was. So congratulations to... Somerset, they are into the finals day and the final side to get into finals day were Hampshire. They beat Worcestershire down at Southampton. The defending champions threw in the Rose Bowl against the Pears and Cam are not necessarily the best at cricket in terms of playing. But even I know... Are you not? No. However... Despite the fact of getting a not out, which is crucial. You did get a not out, yeah. but you left a lot of balls. Well, not so much left a lot of balls, you missed a lot of balls. Oh, no, I was leaving him like, <laughs> I was leaving him like Marnus outside off stump. Anyway, no ran. Anyway, I do know, though, that being 29 for 6 after 7.1 overs is no bueno. No, it's about the same rate you were scoring at, to be fair, in hey, sixes. Hey, I, I, I'll take the but not out any day of week, mate. Any day but of the week. six wickets down, yeah. It was not a good start, this, was it? No. They were. The game was over by that point. Seven overs in, game was finished, done. Get the flag The out. only reason that they got to even a semi-score that they could maybe defend, which still was never going to be enough, was the find of the season for them. Osama Mia was absolutely brilliant with the bat down there when they were struggling, along with Ed Pollock just dragging them up to, to at least three figures and giving themselves something to bowl at, which I thought they did a reasonable job of bowling at, to be fair. To get Hampshire five down and only chasing it down in just over sort of 15 overs, I thought they, thought they bowled quite well, to be fair. Um, it clearly wasn't, wasn't the best pitch to bat on. Um, but Hampshire got themselves there in the end without anyone really particularly doing so much with the bat. And it was just, it was enough to get them there. But the one person that that really shone in this game, I mean, that's what you've got, Nathan Ellis. Four, four, six, six. in two point five. Yeah. Wow! And he, could, I mean, and he, had, and he got three, he got the final three wickets in four balls, which just going to show you how good he was. I mean, they did wait until to bowl him until after the power play, to be fair. So they gave him a gave him a bit of a chance to to not get tapped around the but park. I tell first you what, ball, though, but... I tell you what, though, John Turner. That's another really good performance with the ball. He bowled four overs, two for nineteen, and you know, I mean, we don't like to talk about the sixteen point four on this program, but I do think that it needs to be re- needs to be mentioned because the wildcard draft's coming up. John Turner could be about yeah. to be getting a lot of money from a certain franchise. Yeah, and you you wouldn't begrudge him. He's he's performed very well for for them so far, and I think I think yeah, he's he deserves deserves that chance to to make some money and go and show it on 
on another white ball stage. Yeah, God, this is, uh, as you say, 29 for 6 for for Wuss doesn't always help. But a word on Hampshire, they, they, they always seem to do just about enough, don't they? That's their 12th appearance now in finals. They easily the record. They just love turning up and winning titles. And they could be about to win number four. They could. I just sort of hope they don't. And I, I don't yes, want to come on here I'm and just, and just insult people that are Hampshire fans. Fair enough. Quality. Your side of there we, and my we side of there. Right. But actually, this quarterfinal is the brutal, harsh rally of knockout cricket. If you have a bad 10 minutes, you're done. And Worcestershire yeah. did exactly that to start the game because actually, as a side this season, I thought they did fantastic. I saw them at Trent Bridge. We've seen them go elsewhere. Brett Dolivier has had a fantastic season considering they let Moeen Ali go back to to um, to Birmingham. Um, as I said, the Kiwi pair they've had have been fantastic. Uh, Adam Ho's superb as well at times. Uh, the bowling attack has been pretty steady. Pat Brown, rapid. Pennington, solid as well. I know we're just great. picking them up. So for it to collapse like this for them is, is incredibly unfortunate. Hampshire, as you said, have been superb. James Vince is the man. If he turns up on Saturday, there is... If he turns up and Nathan Ellis turns up, yeah, they've got a chance. Because the way that that semi-final draw has worked out as well... You're not going to back yeah, against the beard of that final, I don't think. No, no, it's the it's the semi final you want to be in, isn't yeah. it? Really? Oh yeah, if you offer me any of them, that's the one I've got. Despite where they finished in the group, like no, they're the one that I want to crack out of finals day, especially with a Hampshire side that is relatively unchanged from last year. A lot of that squad were part of that squad that went on to win it last year. Absolutely. So there we go. A review of all four quarterfinals, and again. The South continue to dominate. We've mentioned it already, the fact that it is the second time in three years that it's an all-Southern finals day. And bar the COVID year, normally we don't really talk about the COVID year, but I kind of think we have to because Knott's won and we have a Knott's fan on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> I love, but, you're right. <laughs> yeah, but 2019, Essex. 2021, uh, who won it? Kent. 2022, Hampshire. That's going to be the fourth title in five years for the South group. Do we? Do we? I think maybe we talk about it a little bit more because we're both we're all Northern cricket fans. But do we maybe just think that the North group's a little bit overrated? Because that's again the Southern group that is just doing the business. I don't think it's that it's it's overrated. I think I think like you say, Gob touched on it earlier. If you put it. Team for team, you, you're picking most of the North group over the South group. Regardless, I think... I, I just don't really know what it is. It's just a bit of a weird phenomenon, and I'm not sure what, what the reasoning behind it is. Like, apparently, we're just all bottlers in the North group um, that can't play knockout cricket, because that, that's all I can put my finger on, other than anything else. It's, like, you look at the length side, we've got three England internationals that are in, in Salt... Livingston and Butler, who who have done it on the big stage, they were all part of that England side that that won the T Twenty World Cup last year. So there's no reason for them to sort of freeze under pressure and not do the business. And with the quality of the signs that that we've got, I mean, we all thought that all three of our teams would go deep in this competition. And yes, they all made the quarterfinals, but we thought we'd see probably two or three of them make 
make final day and obviously the way it worked out that Knox were going to Somerset we probably weren't too confident on them making no, no, it. No, but... I was never. The, the prediction I was putting in the group when that draw was made was 60 runs or 6 wickets. I did not fancy going down yeah, there at all start, knowing that we had various... Out. Yeah, no, knowing that we had various yeah, players only one out, and, out yeah. and whatever else. <laughs> they delivered in that moment. I guess it's it's the battle of... The start of the season we'd have, we'd have had all three there probably. Yeah depending on how the rest of the draw works out and how before we knew what the groups were doing, we'd thought all had a real good chance of making it to finals day and, and none of them are there and it's going to be an all-southern all affair, but they all just did the business when it mattered in that one-off knockout cricket. Indeed, they did. So, results then. Essex Eagles beating Birmingham Bears by two wickets uh, also in the that was on the Thursday of course uh, god I don't like remembering that <laughs> Surrey winning by 13 runs against Lancashire Somerset winning by five wickets against Notts and Hampshire winning by five wickets against Worcestershire which has left us with a semi-final draw Essex against Hampshire first up that will be at 11 o'clock on Saturday and then it will be 2.30 for Somerset against Surrey with the final at 6.45. All those games will be live, of course, on Sky Sports Surrey. Or you can listen to it on BBC Five Sports Extra. Um, we'll be there. Of course you will be with some brilliant shirts, <laughs> I must say. Oh, yes. I'm oh, very Gob's excited. not seen his shirt yet, has he? No, Gob's not seen it yet. <laughs> we're, we're gonna, we're, are we keeping that as a surprise on the day? Probably? Yeah, Absolutely. That's exactly what we're Brilliant. going to do. Uh, he, 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 you can't see this listener, however, he is very, very happy about it. Yeah, buzzing. <laughs> uh, what we're going to do, though, is we're going to come back and we're going to be with you, hopefully on Wednesday, I think, uh, listener, uh, and we're going to be with you to do a team-by-team preview of the finals day. We're going to look at each of the four sides that have made it out of the South group, Essex, Hampshire, Somerset and Surrey. We are going to then go through the whole day. We're then going to preview who we think is going to reach the final, who we think is going to win the mascot race as well, which is the most important part of finals day, as we know. And then we'll also be giving you our predictions as to who we think will be lifting the T20 Vitality Blast Trophy in 2023. Cam McFarlane, thank you very, very much indeed for your time this afternoon. And Jack Garwood, fancy coming back again on Tuesday, mate? For recording oh, Wednesday? Oh, uh, go on, on, the, on there. Oh, go on then. All right. Oh, go on then. Thank you very, very much yeah. for joining he's us, mate. The three in a row that he's doing to finish it off. He's finishing with a hat-trick. Well, we have to get the big guns on for uh, for finals day uh, and for the finals day preview as well. But, Gob, um, obviously you are a part of online darts and it's a big week coming up for darts in particular. There's a small little tournament in Blackpool going on. And uh, I'm sure that uh, Online Darts will be covering it all well, I'm sure. Cheeky trip to the Winter Garden. Good week for Mr. Garwood himself as well. Shh, that bit's a secret. <laughs> That's not out there yet. I have teased that on Twitter. I have teased that on Twitter today, to be fair. So what, the lineup for next week is out, and there's a, a number of debutants in there, and I've added one to the list and quote tweeted it on a number of debutants this week. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but yeah, I like looking it. forward to it. What's going? How uh, how can you follow uh, the match play with online darts? Uh, YouTube is the best way to keep up with it. We'll have instant reaction interviews from all of the players across all social media platforms: uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and even Threads. We're on the new platform already. Ooh, yeah, we don't hang around, mate. 
absolutely. And of course, you'll be doing the Fallout Bar every night, giving instant reaction as well. Uh, I'll be doing a lot of them. Cam will be doing more than he realises right now. Uh, and a few other people in the team as well. <laughs> yep. yep, you'll see my face again. Um, talking about another sport that I know nothing about. Standard. <laughs> yes. So, yes, we will be following that with online darts. Make sure that you follow them as well uh, across the social. Just search online darts. You'll be able to find them there. But we'll be having God back with us here on the T20 Blast podcast on Wednesday when we're doing our big preview. Eight teams were left at the start of the weekend. Only four left. It is a southern showdown in the centre of England. Edge Baston, the venue, but who will take home the trophy? Essex, Hampshire, Somerset or Surrey. We will give you our preview on the next episode of the Vitality C20 Blast podcast. But for Jack Gobbard Garwood and for Cameron Farnham, I'm Jonathan. And thanks again for listening to the show. We will see you on Wednesday. Have a fantastic start to your week and we're back in the middle of it. Take care. Bye-bye.